Well, Patrick, I don't know about you, but I am excited to continue this conversation about fivefold and the kingdom of God. Uh, me as well. You know, it's a as we've been saying, it's a season to discern the times mm. and getting lockstep with what the Spirit is saying and doing. And uh, I really want to see how the Lord is unfolding the fivefold for His church in this very day. So yeah, I'm ready to be a student and just take some notes and glean from what the Lord is saying today. I, I will say this: I was quite surprised and blessed at how the last time. You know, we were going to dig into this. Right. And it's like the Holy Spirit just took us a completely different way. Left turn of glory. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hadn't heard that before. I like that. Left turn to glory. Isn't it funny? Um, I was, sometimes I, I get concerned and go, you know, just as a teacher, we're going to dig into something, let's dig into it. And uh, I've known it for all these years that we always let the Holy Spirit have its way. But I am reminded, as we've heard back from people, sometimes the best thing in the world, even for those who are listening, who may be in ministry, is don't get so caught up on your agenda. Right. Have an agenda. Absolutely. Have a plan. But when the Holy Spirit shifts, go where he's going. Yeah. yeah. Be nimble with him. Yes. That's what, it reminds me of worship. You know, as I've grown and learned and learned over the past three or four or five years, I'll, I'll have to have a framework. Mm. There needs to be, you know, you have to set the sail for the wind to blow into it. But always, like before we go, before the, the service begins, oftentimes I'll pray, Lord, we have our songs, we have yes. where we believe we're going, but, you know, you're the master orchestrator. You are the conductor, follow yes. his baton. So always just giving our plans back to him. Mm. But uh, I feel the same way in worship and in music. It's, you can only plan so far. <laughs> That's right. Only, which is a good thing. I like that. Absolutely. I think it makes it fun. I, I do too. Yeah. Um, growing up, uh, not I was going to say Smith Wigglesworth, but the one he had the most influence on, Lester Sumrall. Okay. Dr. Sumrall would always say, the greatest adventure of life is the adventure of faith. Mm. And the only one who can really lead that adventure is the Holy Spirit. Yes. And I think sometimes we end up having a lot less of adventures and more of entertainment. This is true. Because we don't let him fill the sail. I believe and I also believe to get to that spot where we trust him and continue to let him orchestrate is mm. being comfortable with being being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. And oftentimes as as a worship as example, some of the most powerful times have been when I didn't really you know, I knew one song perhaps, mm. but past that I wasn't hearing anything. Absolutely. And it was in those moments where I really seen his power and his glory released through a prophetic song or the song of the Lord coming through. Mm. You know, he didn't tell me. That's right. Uh, he likes to keep us on the edge of our seat. But again, getting un be getting comfortable with that, being uncomfortable, mm. um, and getting to a spot where you can have peace in that. Yes. I really believe where you really hit a flow in the spirit, mm. where you really start to have some fun. One of my favorite movies, I love the whole Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe series, right. the C.S. Lewis right. books, which were turned into movies. And I'm trying to remember in which movie it was. I don't think it was the first one. I think it was the second one um, when they talk about Prince Caspian. Okay. But I believe in that one, Lucy Pevensey is the youngest of all the kids. And this is going to go with the teaching we're about to go into. But Lucy Pevensey, she's the only one in the very beginning that can see Aslan. Uh, remember when everyone's they return and they go he's been gone for years right. as we haven't seen Aslan and where have you all been uh, oh high kings we have not seen you and as they're walking along they come to a place where they're escaping from their enemies 
and they're in this forest and they come to the edge of a cliff and there's nothing but water below and it's a drop far drop and there's a great expanse to the other side as the other three are running for their lives and others are screaming and chasing them Lucy suddenly looks up and she sees Aslan Mm. across the way and he's bidding her to come she doesn't go because nobody else sees him the movie goes on they have to climb down I see see. okay they go over the edge of the cliff they climb down these little rocky pieces they make it to the bottom they barely escape with their lives and it's sometime later before Aslan shows up again and when he does she finally asks the question Aslan did I see you when we were being chased and he says yes Lucy you did well but no one else saw you. And this my favorite response. He said, it doesn't matter. Why didn't you come? My, my. If you had stepped out on nothing, the rest would have followed. I think that's the art of following the Holy Spirit is that many times we're waiting for everybody else to verify, validate, see what we saw, hear what we heard. But God will give you one song, one scripture, one word, the beginning of a prophecy, half of a dream. And he's waiting to see, are you willing to step out on the nothing, knowing that he's waiting to build the bridge with every step you take? Or are you going to keep climbing down the edges of the rocks with your own strength to make it to the bottom just so you can say, I had to do that myself again. Step out on nothing or use your strength. I like stepping out on nothing. How was your prophetic flow progressed over the years in regards to how much the Lord's given you in advance for somebody or something Oh, in regards to stepping out with only one piece of information or, or a line? Tremendously. Tremendously. I, in the very beginning, I would hear things that were just supernatural or um, amazing to me. Um, I remember in the very beginning of the Lord speaking to me prophetically and, and being in ministry, I would hear the names of people. That's how I started. With the names? The names. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is countless people that can tell you and verify when I was 17 years old we had meetings and I was stood up in front of the meeting and said where's Jerry we were in South Carolina Mount Pleasant South Carolina I said there's a woman here whose name is no the first name was I think Kevin or something and no one came forward so as I'm standing there I says I hear the Lord saying there's a woman here your son's name is Kevin nobody moved so as I'm about to turn around the Lord says Jerry I said, okay, there's a woman here whose son's name is Jerry. The woman stood up. She starts walking down the front. I said, now I'm confused because I know the Lord said there's a woman here whose son name is Kevin. The same woman walking down lifted her hand. She said, I have two sons. The oldest is named Kevin. The second is named Jerry. She said, I wasn't sure if this was real, so I waited. And the Lord, that's all I knew. Getting names I could see into people's homes, but the depth of impact that it has had has increased with me stepping out on nothing. I see. And I think sometimes people get so moved by their gifting that they don't trust God for deeper glory. For me, it was never about necessarily increasing the prophetic gifting. I could hear. What I wanted to see him increase was the impact of the glory. So there's a correlation, would you say, between the, the deeper glory and the level of faith required to access? Absolutely. Even if somebody in the office of a prophet or a high, uh, high gifting. Yes. There's a, 
when there's faith that when they must exercise their faith, people at a high level have to exercise their faith, then there's a deeper glory attached to that as well. Not only is there a deeper glory, but the the laws of the prophetic, if I can say it that way, um, are connected to that. It says, let every prophet prophesy according to the level of their faith. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So according to the mantling of the prophetic, the prophetic, God will give you a word based on his grace. When you prophesy it, it's got to be connected to your faith. So many times we have prophetic people who throw words out there, but there's no faith mixed in it. And they make the assumption, the only faith needed for this word is the person hearing it. No, let the prophet prophesy according to the measure of their faith. So you have prophetic realms that will not open because the prophets declared what they saw, but they had no faith for it to manifest. I see, okay. And so you've got to mix your faith in it. And my faith has grown over the years for that which I see, not only to manifest, but to become the only reality there is. I remember times when the Lord would say to me, say right now that I'm going to heal these diseases. And in my head, I was like, I sure hope he does that. I really hope you do this. I'm on the line if you don't do this. This is gonna look real bad. And so I didn't know then that I was prophesying in hope. I see, right. That wasn't faith. Right, not that faith. The more I've walked with him and my faith has grown, now if the Lord says to me, tell them right now that in an hour they're getting out of that wheelchair, I have no problem at all saying in 60 minutes, get up. We were in a meeting. Um, I feel like we're, we're we'll, we'll come back. We're we'll come, come back. back. I'm, it's I'm good. No, no, this is good. <laughs> I was at a meeting and the Lord said, I want you to tell that woman over there. Okay. We're in the Philippines. And I had showed up a day late. That day late meant the entire team had to travel without me. I see. So when I got there, I had to, I've never had to do this before. Um, in the Philippines, in Manila, there's like four airports all in, in the city. So you have to know exactly where you're going because you have to go from airport to airport right. depending on what you're flying. So when I landed in the international terminal, uh, because Pastor June and the team had to travel on without me, he had to text me and say, when you land, uh, get on a bus, go across town, get into the other airport, catch this flight by this time, hopefully making it through customs, and fly here. When you get to this next city, you're gonna have to get on a ferry because you have to get to the port. So <laughs> I got there, got on a little, uh, a jeepney, they call it. Yep, I know what those are now. Took the jeepney, got to the port, checked myself into the port, got onto the boat, rode the boat for uh, about an hour and 15, 20 minutes, get out of the boat. Now I'm, Pastor um, June and them have showed up. We've got to get my luggage. I left the boat without my luggage, not realizing that you can't leave without your luggage oh, or you may not get your luggage. Oh, wow. So we realized as we were walking out, you don't have your bag? No. So we run back through the crowd. We get back, we get the bag. And they say to me, how do you feel? I said, well, I feel great. Excellent. Cause you're preaching in an hour. I'm, <laughs> I'm what? I've just flown 14 hours. My, my. <laughs> jumped on another plane and flew another hour, jumped on a boat and rode for an hour and 15 minutes. We're now driving for 45 minutes in this car yep. and I'm preaching out. Yeah. So they had a little packet of rice and a chicken leg. 
as I'm trying to eat this in the back of this vehicle, bouncing around and thinking, I can't soul. <laughs> command my soul. I have a vision of a woman wow. who is sitting in the middle of the meeting that we're on our way to. And the Lord says, whatever else is happening, when you see this woman say these words, get up and walk to me for the Lord has a word for you. So I said, oh, I've seen something and they go, great. I said, the Lord is going to heal greatly in the meeting, but this woman has to get up and walk to me because God has something for her. They go, okay. So I tell them what the woman looks like. We get to the meeting. I see the woman. Lady, get up, walk up here. I give the word. She doesn't move. Now I'm confused because I heard the word right. of the Lord. I saw, saw her, her exactly wearing the same clothes right. 40 minutes you earlier. Know you're tracking. I know you're tracking. Yeah. Woman, get up. The Lord says he has something for you. She doesn't yet move. Now I'm angry on the insides, you know, holy anger. <laughs> I lean forward and said, because this is all I got. Woman, get up and stop disobeying the spirit of God. And you walk up here now. She looks around like this. The whole crowd goes, <gasps> and she gets up and she starts walking toward me, at which point the place goes crazy. Oh, my because I did not know that she had had a complete stroke, that her leg nor her arm worked, that she was walked in by her kids walking her in and putting her in that seat so she could be close to the front, that she had her cane in the back and her kids always steadied her. And by the time she walked to me, she was healed. My, my, amen. That's what you build your faith to because you have to know eventually what comes out of your mouth will produce the same thing it produces when it comes out of the mouth of God, if you believe it. Yes. Because it's coming out of the mouth of God when it came out of your mouth. He said it to you. You are simply releasing what heaven said. Yes. You didn't create it. No. You, yes. So you must have faith. That's what it means to be an oracle, to carry a message. It literally means I am only repeating what the king said. So if you're part of a kingdom, you understand that you are simply repeating the words of the king. Yes. It is the job of the king to back up his own word. That's what it took me years to understand and build my faith to. So good. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Oh, that's good. <laughs> All right, let's get into this. Now that actually takes us right into looking at this because as we're talking about the fivefold, the fivefold by definition are the group the ways that God has chosen to release the voice of the kingdom into the earth. So God has determined, I am choosing that heaven will release into the earth power, principles, and presence. Now to do that, I am going to have to bring together a group of people who have my image, my likeness, my presence, and my power. That's the church. For the church to become mature, it has to have teachers. So who are the teachers? Who are the emissaries sent to mature this body of governmental influencers, which is what the church is? That would be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So fivefold ministry is not simply the way that you build churches. No. Fivefold ministry is not the way that you make great congregations. Fivefold ministry is the way in which every believer achieves full maturity so that they can bring the government of God into the earth. So fivefold is on a person is it on a personal level first and then corporate? Yes. Okay. 
Yes, absolutely. I, when I hear fivefold, ninety nine percent of the time I'm thinking of a corporate expression of that. Mm-hmm. But really, the character of Christ, the the nature, begins with the person. Yes, okay. I see. Yes. Now you just encapsulated and caught the thing that I think most people miss, which is why for many denominations, groups, practices, um, cultures, fivefold ministry has become something that has been miscalculated and misunderstood because they only make it about the corporate body. And because it's singularly in their mind about the corporate body, they discount it because churches have operated in their own culture, in their mindset or in their history well enough under a pastor. Why do we need these things we've not had before? Why do we need an apostle? Our pastor built a great sanctuary. We've done well. The pastor before him built a great network. Why do we need this misunderstood, unseen thing? Why do we need prophets? We have the word of God. We have scriptures. Why do you keep mentioning that we need other people to come in and release a word every now and then? Because we have not understood how things should operate correctly, then because things operated without it, there's no need. There's the old story that I'm sure you've heard. There says um, a man went over to eat the first time at his wife's parents' home. As he's sitting there with her, he's about to eat and they bring out the roast. And as they're about to eat, the ends of the roast have been cut off. And he goes, well, where's the rest of the roast? What do you mean? Where's the rest of the roast? You've cut the ends of the roast off. Yeah, you always have to cut the ends off to cook it. He goes, no. You threw away a third of the meat. Young man, you don't know what you're talking about. This is how you make a good roast. The young lady says to him, stop insulting my mother. That's the way we've always made the roast. He says to the mom, well, why do you cut the ends off the roast? Because that's the way my mother always made it. She showed us how to make it properly. He said, have you ever asked her why? So right then, because the daughter and the mother were both incensed at his insults to their cooking ability, They called grandma and said, mother, yes, this young man is questioning the way we make a roast. And I told him, you always cut the ends off. And the mother, your grandmother begins to laugh. (laughs) Daughter, no, you don't have to cut the ends off the roast. But mom, growing up, you always cut the ends off the roast. She said, honey, that's because I never had a pan big enough to cook a whole one. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's good. Didn't have a pan big enough. To cook the whole one. Wow. It's amazing how we have existed with a third of what God gave us cut off Hmm. because the pans we have used couldn't hold the meat God gave us. And instead of finding bigger pans, bigger models, bigger ideas, bigger expectations, we keep cutting off apostolic and prophetic and just reducing it to the little bit we could chew and swallow because this is how it was prepared for us through the years. But just because that's how they prepared it doesn't mean that's how God sent it. That's so good. I received a word once, I think five, six years ago, Mm. and uh, the minister used, I'll I'll speak it out. He said uh, there was a fisherman off the shore and somebody was watching him Mm. and he kept getting these catches that were really big and really nice and he kept throwing them away and then we'd get some at a certain size that were just small Mm. and he would keep those but he'd throw the big ones away and keep the smaller ones and when the fisherman 
got back to shore, the, the person watching asked, why were you throwing away the nice catches, the, the bigger fish? Mm. And the fisherman said, oh, my pan's only this big. <laughs> and the word for me was, get a, a larger pan. Get a bigger pan. Vision one, get a bigger pan. <laughs> You'll catch bigger fish. Bigger, yes. Yeah, so. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so that's a, it's a great analogy for that, I believe. Absolutely. We only know what we know, and if we, we have to acknowledge that we don't know everything. Yes. The, uh, the humility. Absolutely. If God says in Psalm chapter 2, ask of me, and I will give you nations for your inheritance, the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. That means God has strategies to literally transfer the ownership of nations, cultures, cities, territories, economic systems. God has the blueprints to take over entire groups of people, money, media, organizations in less than a generation and transfer ownership. Ask of me and I will give to you. So that means the only reason we're not owning maneuvering, mentoring, influencing that level of national, international voice is because we didn't ask because we're convinced God can't do it, which means our pants are too small. Or what if it's not knowing to ask also? Oh, I think What's that's asked for. But that goes back to the pants too small. See, whoever trained you built the level of your expectation. Wow. Whoever trains you builds the level of your expectation. So if the people around us, above us, or influencing us, if their expectation is church is church, as long as there's a pastor, faith is faith, but don't ask for anything too crazy. God can do the impossible, but he doesn't really do the Bible stuff anymore. Your level of expectation comes from the voices you listen to. So now we've become a kingdom of people that we ask for things we can do ourselves if God doesn't come through, just in case he doesn't. We believe for the impossible, but we always have a second option just in case it doesn't work out like we thought. We pray that God shows up, but if he doesn't, we always have four songs ready so we can make it a good set. <laughs> or I've always got that backup sermon that can wow the crowd. <laughs> we always have these things in our pocket just in case God don't come through. That's the problem. We've been trained by people who don't believe he'll be who he says he is. Yeah. Good word. So now we've got to get the pan the right size. So to get all the meat back together, to have the full-size roast, the full-size ministry, we have to come back to the model. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Now, the first thing that happens is when they are in place, we've talked about this before, but we're going to look at it just a little bit. In Ephesians 4, and then we're going to go to Psalm 133. We touched on this the first time. But at the end of it, we touched on he gave some apostles, verse 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. But the reason that he gave them for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So now we understand the first thing that was in the heart of God for giving fivefold ministry is because he understood we would never become mature, the perfecting of the saints. We would never fully manifest 
the works of Jesus, the work of the ministry, and we would never fully grow up into one body, unity. So none of that can happen without fivefold. If the fivefold is necessary for that, verse 13 says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So now we have to back up. Right. Literally, he's saying, we will never grow up to look like Jesus without fivefold ministers teaching us. So the full weight of my individual character, perfecting the saints, my maturity, the full weight of me releasing destiny through me to change the world, the work of the ministry, the full weight of me growing up into one member in a many-membered body, that's the edifying of the body, and the ability for me to unite with other groups, denominations, cultures, so that anyone who is truly born again, I see them as brother and sister. All of those individual goals are connected to fivefold ministry. Amen. And then we get to the big stuff, which is <laughs> transforming the world. Yes. I really believe the reason we have such immaturity in the body of Christ, such flakiness, such what I called uh, current um, topics, uh, current topics or trends. Pop. Pop. Thank you. That's the right word. We're we're always looking for something new and shiny. I had a word for that. What was the the phrase? uh, Always looking for the next catchy phrase or uh, pop catchphrase Christianity. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Catchphrase Christianity. That's exactly what it is. Now, all of that is the proof that we have not operated in the maturity that comes from having fivefold ministry. Because fivefold teaching, if it's in place, if an apostle is there building and you see good building structure in God, where we're always growing, we're building towards something, we're always taking territory, we're touching the neighborhoods, we're transforming the culture, we're building into what God said. If the prophets are there, there's always an advance because the prophets always keep you advancing. Prophet, apostles keep you building. There's always something new. There's always fresh ideas. That's the apostolic. The prophets keep you advancing. Prophets don't let you sit too long. Right. And if you sit, they won't let you sit in comfort. So there's always an internal movement. Pastors, if true pastors are in place, then there is always good community. So while we're building and advancing, we're staying together because pastors are the shepherds. They keep us in community. If there's good evangelists in place, then we're always doing the work of Jesus to transform the world around us. So that while we're building healthy community, we're advancing the kingdom and we're building the structures that God has called us to build. We haven't forgotten that the people who live right next door to our church are just as important as the evangelist. That the person who might be a Muslim two miles down, they need you to love on them just as much as the believers coming to church. Why? That's the evangelist's heart. The evangelist says the whole world needs to know what we do in this building and we need to do outside of this building what we do here together. The heart of the evangelist. 
And if we have good teachers, teachers never let your heart get calloused. Hard hearts, continual rebellion, living in stuck places, that's the proof that we've lost teachers. Because a good teacher will show up and say, you know why you have that issue? Because this one truth is absent in your life. And they hammer that truth until the rock is broken, the hole is fixed, or the well has water again. They bring that home. So we have to now recognize that five-fold ministry is for the individual and for the corporate. So for me, I've continually lived in the place where I, I can tell you there are continually in my ear one of those five-fold regularly. That's what I was going to ask for, for those listening, myself included. What, what's the barometer for you to understand if you personally are receiving the five-fold? Mm. You know, how do we... Oh, that's good. I believe you're going into it now, but... Yes, that's really good. Okay, really what you want to do is always ask yourself, are you balanced? Now, balance means, can I go anywhere in the body of Christ and feel at home? And can anyone in the body of Christ connect to me and feel at home? Now, if the answer is no, and what do I mean by that? If you're constantly judging everybody in your mind, and you're convinced everybody's wrong but you, then you're missing something in the fivefold. I see because the fivefold together makes you part of the, till you grow in the unity of the faith, till the grow to the knowledge of the Son of God. So we're gonna have a unity. Also, I look at my life. If I am out of balance, if, if there's something out of order, if I'm missing something, then I'm missing one of those voices. Okay. It doesn't mean necessarily that you're in sin. It means you need to add one of those voices. And so what I do regularly and I, this, I really give credit to this to the apostle who really trained me in the early days, Larry Drone, because he would always say to us, you have to keep voices from the fivefold around you. Otherwise, the voice you like the most will become what you imitate. Which is why I think a lot of, because we run a lot of prophetic communities. I like that a lot, yeah. And what ends up happening is most prophetic people who like prophecy all sound like prophets. And they lose the art of pastoring. This is, this is fantastic. This is fantastic. You'll listen to a lot of good evangelists who couldn't teach you the Ten Commandments because there's no teaching grace on them. And people get to the place where they think that's normal. That's abnormal. Just because you're called to one part of the fivefold or you're called to... Um, one area to operate greatly, that doesn't mean the rest of those graces don't show up. See, if the fivefold are all pouring into me, I've got all five graces getting on me. So now I'm a prophet, but I can teach. I love to teach. Oh, I know. (laughs) But if you send me overseas, I'm an evangelist. Um, I've heard Jim, Jim Bain said to me one time, he said, I've seen you stop a service and the altars are full of people getting saved. I said, yeah because I'm an evangelist. Amen. He said, but, but <laughs> I said, cause when I need to be, I know how to access that grace Amen. because I on purpose would sit under great evangelist until that oil got on me. You were saturated under each of the offices. Yes. So I say to many people who are listening now, know where you're called, but wherever you're not called on purpose, yes. sit under that oil, get that grace on you so that you can access it. 
See, any of the nine gifts of the Spirit, you'll be able to access because they're within you. But the five graces are not on you automatically. Okay. The grace that is part of your calling is there automatically. The other graces you have to choose to work with. And so many people don't choose to work with those other graces. So they only see pastors become friends with other pastors. So they have pastors conferences, pastors weekends, pastors phone calls, pastors Zoom meetings. Then when they get up, they sound real pastoral. But there's no evangelist fire that burns in them. Uh, there's no deep desire to go into the prophetic realm. There's no apostolic knowledge that comes when they can reset a city if they were given an opportunity. That's because you're a good pastor. You were called to be a pastor, but now you have to choose right. to let the other graces rub on you. Yes. You can be a great prophet and be a horrible teacher. There are some prophets <laughs> I know who, if I need a word, I'll call them. But I don't listen to any of their sermons. <laughs> oh, <Lord. laughs> oh, oh, theologically incorrect. <laughs> Couldn't quote you five scriptures in a row to save their life. <laughs> but they hear God. And that's how you discern. You know, sometimes we've all been in those situations like, I don't know about their teaching, but you know they're hearing God, though, yes. when they give a word, a prophetic word. So sometimes it can be confusing. Well, if they hear God for the prophetic word, didn't they hear God? This was a little Oh, but, but that's no, good. But, but it, yes. it, it because we're all, none of us are perfect or perfected in any, no. any of these. So without throwing somebody away or their gifting away because this grace over here wasn't yes. exactly where it needs to be, doesn't mean we should not uh, honor them in a different grace that they're walking in. That may be where Absolutely. it's Absolutely. Okay. You, you hit the, oh, you hit it on the, the head on the nail. And you said it very well. I like that. That's good. Which brings us to the point. William Branham, one of the greatest prophets that have lived in the last hundred years, the man literally walked around with an angel showing up in all of his meetings. Um, and nobody had to feel for the feathers and look for him. He was there. <laughs> People took pictures and there's a ring of light oh, above Lord. Branham's head. If you pull it up on Google, you can literally, because the people who saved those photos, sure. those photos made it onto the front page of newspapers all over America. Right. Branham would stand and point in someone and say, the angel of the Lord is in that section now, and a light would appear above people's heads. And back then, they didn't have the techno wizardry to create sure. those Yeah, they knew effects. it was, yeah. So he was truly a prophet. He would tell you your name, your first and last name, the city you came from, the name of your doctors, mm -hmm. and what condition you had because the angel of the Lord would tell him. Now, Branham was a horrible teacher. <laughs> when he taught the mercy of God, the love of God, all that was great. When he's tried to teach deep theological truths, messed up his ministry, I see. messed up his really, his legacy, because he got into this vein where all he did was talk about um, the evil of Catholicism oh, wow. and the wickedness of some people. And then at the end of his life, he was walking around thinking he was Elijah. That's right. Yeah. So how did that happen? Because whatever you get into that you're not called, whatever is opposite that has permission to come on you. I see. So what's the opposite of teaching? The spirit of error. So when he got into the teaching vein and didn't let the teachers he knew correct him, that's how you grow. If you're not called to be a teacher, you get good teachers around you. You let their grace rub on you. And then as you grow in teaching, let them correct you so that it cuts away the hardness of your heart 
and the error that was in your ears, right. it literally pulls the wax out of your spiritual ears. That's good. Now you hear clearly because you let them iron sharpens iron. So you as a prophet are causing them to prophesy more, but they as a teacher should help you learn to teach better. And because he wouldn't hear their correction, the spirit of error got on him. And now a man who had the prophetic mantle like Elijah to shake nations ends his life and people running around going, that man was crazy. Mm -hmm. And now you have Branamites who still to this day oh, wow. go out once a year and lay on his grave because oh, he had said, if I died, I'll come back again. Oh, Lord. So now they go gather on his grave and pray for him to rise. <laughs> but that's a key example of not receiving from the other offices, the yes. other graces of the fivefold which causes one to get unbalanced and spin out potentially. Well, we come right back now to the passage of scripture in Ephesians, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, what's the next verse? That we henceforth be no more children. Yeah. That word for children there means immature. So I'm immature, but what is the effect of being immature? Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now we're to the catchphrases. By the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So it literally means I cannot be deceived by people's words, their mechanisms, their latest fad, their great creations, if I'm under good fivefold teaching because I'll have a stability internally that lets me know, ding, 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 that's a lie. I'm not following that. I don't know why it's a lie, but I know it's a lie. We've discussed this before. You and I have both heard some teachings, been in meetings, seen people that I couldn't tell you why, but right. internally it didn't feel right. The radar was going off. Yes. That's the proof I see. that there is a balance within you that is governing you. And, gives you, and uh, lends itself to discernment, greater discernment, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, that's, that's awesome. That's yeah. one of my favorite <laughs> teachings from Bible I've ever heard, right? What she just rolled out there. Absolutely. That's brought a lot of clarity to myself already. Well, and it brings a beautiful balance. Um, good fivefold in place helps you mature, moves you forward, causes unity, keeps you from being misled because you've got a stability internally that you can always, I call it, you're tethered to truth. Mm -hmm. I, the boat is only going to rock so far from right. shore if it's tethered. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of having good teaching pouring into you from the five different directions. Because when I hear something that's not quite right, there's a tether in me. Sure. And I go, you know, I want to agree. I really want to. You said that just right. But something on the inside is telling me that's not right. And that saves you from ending up in the wrong place with the wrong people. Yeah. So good. Yes, sir. I mean, I, I could let the weight of that just sit and, and I, rest on us, to yes, be honest. Yes, sir. I think, I think we'll stop right there because we'll get to Psalm 133 again in the future. Yes. To many of you who are listening, I want to say this to you. What we talked about, one of the simple things, I want to just a simple suggestion. Find in your life people who are in the fivefold and not for legalism, 
but for maturity, find ways to let those voices speak into you. And I don't mean you have to necessarily have a personal relationship with all of them. But when I did not have great prophets to be around, um, I would simply listen to on a regular basis, Kim Clement's teaching. I would let his voice get in my spirit. He was a sure prophet. When I did not have apostles who were always around me, I listened to Lester Sumbrall. I would listen to, oh Lord, Morris Cirillo, who was a true apostle of God. When I needed good teachers to speak into me, I simply did things like I looked up Kenneth Copeland and I made sure Fred Price, I would play them. That's a teaching office. When I needed great evangelist, Reinhard Bonnke, I played him continually. I listened to him. Um, Peter Youngren out of Canada. I kept it in my spirit. I let it play over and over. Um, those were some of the graces and great pastors. Oh, Lord have mercy. Some amazing pastors who walked this earth who have caused us to really know the Lord. One of the great ones for me was, um, well, John Osteen's father. I knew you were going to say it. Oh, John Osteen's father. John Osteen yeah. was just amazing. Yeah. He had an evangelist grace. He had a prophet's voice. But that man was just magnificent. I would listen to him and just feed upon the words. And people like that. And remember, if you don't look around right now and see something that makes your spirit jump, the oil that's on them, even though they're gone, you just need to get that oil on you. Right. So there's still people who are gone from the earth that I play their stuff regularly. Oh, absolutely. And I get it in me. Yeah. I'll tell you one of the great evangelists I used to listen to, Jimmy Swagger. Oh, absolutely. That's Yes. Now, there are sometimes I think he was a little hard on stuff. Yeah. But I got to tell you, there was a grace on him. If you weren't saved, you're getting saved tonight. For the longest time, I was. Uh, the Lord really moved on me for for three or four years straight when I would watch his classic crusades. From yes, the 80s. yes. I'd be in tears every night. We'd come on at like midnight, and just that the oil, the weight of the evangelist, the weight of the, for the, the heart for the people through yes. those telecasts. You're speaking my language. I mean, I love to get saturated in, in things like that. Absolutely. Well, it goes to what we're saying, even though we're getting ready to close. It goes to this, what you had touched on earlier. Many of us have to make sure that just because we're coming into this wonderful new theology right. and we're understanding the grace of God, the righteousness of God. And so we look back at some teachings and we hear some people and go, well, that one might have been a little harsh or I don't necessarily agree with that. You're going after the office therein mm. and the oil that's on that office. Yeah. There were prophets who I look back and go, I didn't necessarily agree with everything they said, but I wasn't there necessarily for their theology. Right. I was there for the oil on them. I see. And you can't get oil without getting around them. Yes. And so to some of you, stop criticizing everybody yeah. and ask God who has what you need. Mm. Then listen long enough to let the oil get on you. And as my Dad said, and as he learned, I guess, from his family, there's an old saying in the South, eat the meat, spit out the bones. So for some of you, look at your life where you're missing fivefold voices, find them. Let them speak into you. Get that oil on you. And one of the greatest apostolic fathers alive today, Bill Johnson, mm -hmm. get that on you. Yeah. Get that on you. And let some of those, one of the greatest prophetic voices alive today, Will Thornton. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Get that on you. <laughs> get that grace on you. If you get the grace on you, it'll show up when you need it.
Yeah. That's fantastic direction and, and great homework. Yes. That's got me excited to really get my cabinet full of just the right who I want to listen to today. Who do I need? What grace do I need? That's a yes. good way to discern. This is a great way to discern what I need to listen to or study in the moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it really, that's how it shifts my season. That's very cool. There's times when the Lord said to me, this is before we're doing any of the stuff we're doing now. I had seasons where for like three months in a row, I could only listen to apostles. Okay. And I didn't know why. I mean, this is like several years ago. Before we were touching the world to the degree we're touching it, before I knew the weight of the apostolic grace that God was kind of stirring on my life to do some things, the Lord would say, you need to put this on you now because I'm going to draw it out later, but you got to get it in you now. And so even right here in that little... um, um, Lord, I can't even think Sorry, what you call it. No, the radio sitting in the back. What do you oh, call it? Okay, yeah, yeah. People don't even have them anymore. A tape player. You got, I see them. You got some CDs over there. I see CDs. CD player. You got a CD player. I couldn't even think of what to call it. That's why I, I stalled for a minute. I've got these old tapes um, that are probably 30 years old from some of the uh, gatherings of apostles back in the 80s and 90s. Oh, that's cool. And I found them. Oh, I got to borrow those. Oh, oh, and I'll let you borrow them. <laughs> and it was Oral Roberts, Lester Sumrall. It was um, Benson Idahosa from Africa. It was top of the world apostles gathering together and speaking. And I put some of those on, and I got to tell you, after about a couple of weeks of it, I literally felt like there was a reverberation. Sure. There was a sound that was going into the midst of me that I went to pray about a month into that and my prayer was like a roar. And I thought, God, what happened? He said, you let it get in you long enough that now I can draw it out of you. So good. Yes, sir. So to some of you, we admonish you, get it in you so God can pull it out of you. Father, we thank you for those who are listening. We pray that you will stir up the grace that is upon your people. We pray for those who may not know who to connect to. And first, we speak over you. Do not let the spirit of criticism or the idea of discounting those who are not like you cause you to miss what you need in this hour. But wherever God has given you a well, drink deep from that well. Where God highlights a connection, make that connection. If God shows you someone from another nation, a voice from the past, invest and dig in and may it pour into you. And so, Father, we pray that the wells you are opening up in your people will be wells of unending life and supernatural flow. We pray for the apostolic grace to come upon each one of you, that you might build and establish, raise up and bring out in the earth what God has called you. We pray for the prophetic grace to be strong upon each one of you that you might discern, see, hear, and declare so that you may move at the momentum of heaven. We pray for the pastoral grace upon each one of you, that you might gather love, grace, and guide all those in your world and those who God will give you to lead deeper into an encounter with him. We pray for the evangelistic grace upon you that the fire of God may help you burn break open and bridge the gap so that those who do not know him may know him in the depths of his wonder and his love. And we pray for that teaching grace for each one of you, that you might hear revelation, that you might steward truth, and that you might share in such a way that those who do not know which way to go may find their feet planted in the house of God. 
May the Lord lead you. May the grace of God be upon you. For we know the best season of your life is coming. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. And Father, just say thank you that you're bringing us a bigger pan, Lord. I pray. Yeah. I pray that you would make our pans bigger, Father, that we could receive of everything that the fivefold has for us, Lord. Mm. I pray that models, old models that are not of you, Father, would fall away. Yes, yes. And that we receive everything you have for us in this season, Father. That there would be a unity through mm. the diverse giftings and every stream of the fivefold, Father. We pray would flow into us now, Lord. And as Jesus. Michael said, Father, I pray that pathways and doorways to the right voices will be yes. open and i pray for fivefold voices to go forth to your people today father yes, Lord. in jesus name jesus name